And there was this unmistakable feeling that something was in the room with me. Something not kind. The level of fear I had at that moment was few equal in my life. There was no thunder and there was no lightning, but like there was some sort of charge. Her hair just like started like standing up on end and I had like the sickest goosebumps I've ever had in my, like all my hair was trying to stand on end. It neither stopped or climbed, but seemed to flow right through the fence. Oh no. And then I look away for just a moment, like not even, probably not even two seconds, um, just driving along. And then just in peripheral, I realize it's not there. So I look back to where I saw it and it's not there anymore. Welcome back to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Lily, and I have with me Chase. What's up? And we are a paranormal horror podcast that like to tell each other scary stories from all over the world. Hope you guys are having an amazing November, and depending on who you are, this is either the best time or the start of the most stressful time of the year. (laughs) Either way, there's always room to make it a little more spookier, and today we have a very special episode. Special indeed. It is our season two finale. And keeping tradition, it is a listener's story episode. So the audio clips you heard at the beginning were from the interviews we conducted. But we're also doing something a little different this time. One of the stories was submitted via email. So we had our friend Joe do a dramatic reading of it for the episode. (laughs) And another was an audio submission from our good friend Andrew. It has been an incredibly busy and complicated year. And I don't know what obstacles next year has. But I can, for one, say that I am excited, super excited about our plans going forward into the next season, season three yes. of Hair of the Werewolf. <laughs> I never thought we'd actually complete two whole years, and I said last year I didn't even think we'd do one, so <laughs> it just keeps on coming. We just keep surprising you, Chase. And there's no sign of it stopping going forward. And now that I've said that, it's like going to stop tomorrow or something. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> to everyone's demise, me included. But we hope you guys will continue to join us at the Hair of the Werewolf, where Halloween never ends and hangovers are just an excuse to watch scary movies. Also, I just want to point out, before we move on, that Chase is in a little cocoon. (laughs) I'm wrapped up like a babushka because it's freaking freezing in here, Mr. Bigglesworth. It is freezing. Oh, my God. So I just, I have no blanket, but Chase looks adorable right now. So Yeah, the mountains outside our window covered in snow, and our heater is pretty much constantly on trying to keep the house at 68. (laughs) Trying. Yeah. Trying so hard. Lily's pretty upset that I keep it that low, but I'm uh, I'm cheap. Yeah. <laughs> I hate spending money, so I'm wrapped up with my little Luckily, blanket. I have more than enough sweaters to carry me through the year, so it's fine. Yeah, sweaters are too constricting. I just want blankets. <laughs> yes. Blankets. So I guess uh, bef- without any further ado, we should jump into our stories, and uh, Lily's going to take over the first one. Yes, I think I'll go first. Um, so this one's from Matthew. He says, hey, I'm a listener. My name is Matthew, and I have a personal spooky experience to share. We own a lot of dogs, like a lot. At times, we have as many as 18 dogs in the house. Holy cow. That's a lot. Several are pets, but we also train service dogs for kids with autism. I have two autistic brothers, so hence the dogs. Hmm. Having so many dogs means frequent dog runs, our term for taking the dogs outside to, shall we say, answer nature's call. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes this happens at dark, and sometimes I am the only one available to carry out the final dog run of the day about 8.30 to 9 p.m. 
one night I was doing the last dog run by myself. Now, real quick, I hate the dark. Hate it. <laughs> we have lights on, but they only reach so far. Now, this night was cloudy and overcast. No moon, no stars. We have lived on a private island for the last seven to eight years now, and I know it very well. Wait, wait, wait. Private island and 18 dogs? Yes. This guy has a very different life than I do. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I'm a little jealous about the island. Yeah. I think taking care of those dogs. I. It would be hard, but Because I don't have any experience, but yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't know what to do. All right. All right. So this guy's got a very different life. All right. <laughs> island at night with 18 dogs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Not where you thought the story was going, nope. did you? <laughs> We know when to expect loud nights, and our neighbors inform us of any parties they might be having. Mm. Just to give you some idea of why my experience was so strange, we don't have any issues with drunks, drugs, or any other general disturbances like that. Anyway, I was standing outside with the dogs when I suddenly heard a very loud group of voices laughing. Now, when I say laughing, I mean howling and yelling type laughter, not just a hearty chuckle. But it wasn't normal laughing. I had never heard something that sounded so evil and so creepy. To make things worse, it wasn't coming from my neighbor's yard or from our own house. It was coming from right above me. What? Ew. (laughs) Um, You should know the kind of laughter you hear in movies when it's showing a bunch of gross people who are possibly drunk in a really disgusting environment. Think that, but add a hint of demonic evil and you might get the sound I heard. So, Mm. me at a bar. (laughs) (laughs) why aren't they getting me drinks (laughs) um it was unearthly it carried on for almost 30 seconds in those 30 seconds i quickly realized this wasn't a neighbor and bolted into the house with the dogs and immediately told my parents about this we are christians so we do believe that demons exist and that satan is a real being and they can occasionally if not frequently interact with the physical world sure sure i'm not saying that's what this was but i'm not ruling it out either Mm. add to the fact that i'm constantly followed by and keep seeing shadow figures Ooh, i like how that's put on just like (laughs) as oh and by the way i would also i have a stalker i think that alone is enough to scare me and there's like oh yeah that just that just happens on the side (laughs) right it's like um you should get that checked out some who even look like my family members oh i think he's talking about the shadowy figures Mm -hmm. okay when those family members are somewhere else entirely oh so they're not like deceased family members. Yeah, yeah. Here, so like the doppelganger thing. Don't know if the story has much to offer, but I will say it scared the dickens out of me. I was around 16 at the time. I'm 18 now. Anyway, keep doing what you're doing. I love you guys, and I'm currently working my way backwards through your episodes. I have heard all your latest, and I'm currently on episode 62. Y'all are so much fun. Say hi to Chase for me. Love from Georgia. Aw, Georgia. Another Georgia friend. Yay, another Georgia friend. I like when we get stories from all over the place. I do too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, that one was pretty creepy. I don't So the shadow figures, that's the one that bothers me. Yeah, I was gonna say the laughing thing, obviously super disturbing. Well, of course, of course. But for some reason we just said the shadow figures, I'm like, ooh, I feel like it's feel all like connected. There were more stories in that story. Yeah, there's more to it. <laughs> yeah. Well maybe we'll listen or we'll get more information from him in the future. And I wonder so he he when you heard this he had dogs with him, right? He was on the last walk. Yeah, the last run, I think is what they called it. How did the dogs react, I wonder? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Were they scared? Were they barking back? Were they just They were probably just peeing, and they're like, okay. Or what if the dogs didn't even, weren't aware of it, and it was just him, like. Oh, my God. That makes it even creepier, Super, it? like, direct 
contact. Well, I liked the story. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the submission. Stay safe on your island. Yeah, stay safe. And uh, awesome. All right. Well, that's story number one. All right. So our next story was actually submitted to us uh, via email from a Stephen G. Back in the spring. This was a while ago, but oh, I held cool. on to it because I really liked it. I could kind of relate to it. And we actually had our good friend Joe do a dramatic reading of this one because uh, why not? It sounded like because, a fun thing to do. Because we can. Because we can't. So here it is. I don't remember exactly what day it was. It was during the first days of the pandemic and me and my wife were home 24-7, so the days started to blend together. I've been feeling tired all day. Because of all the panic, there was part of me that was worried that I was getting sick. I don't get sick, but at the time I was worried, which probably caused unnecessary stress. I decided to take a nap sometime in the early evening or late afternoon. The sun was low in the sky when I went back to bed. I don't remember what I dreamed, but which is typical for me, but, but I won't forget what happened to me when I woke up. Not ever. My eyes shot open. I had managed to turn on my stomach, and I was lying over one of my arms. It was awkwardly stretched under my torso. I couldn't move. No part of me would respond. Not my head. Not my arms. Nothing would move. The thing that bothered me the most, though, was that I wasn't breathing either. I felt a heavy weight on my back. Not internal either. More like something was on my back. And there was this unmistakable feeling that something was in the room with me. Something not kind. I could see a sliver of light through the barely cracked bedroom door. It was night now, and I could hear the TV in the distance. My wife was watching something. At this moment, the panic began to set in. I tried to scream. It's hard to explain how nothing is moving, but you can feel like you're forcing every bit of energy you have into your muscles. The level of fear I had at that moment has few equal in my life. It felt like an eternity of stillness, silence, and panic. But then all of a sudden, my body began to move. The weight was suddenly gone, and I was able to breathe again. Which was strange, because I began breathing again as if nothing had happened. There was no gasping, no panting. I rolled onto my side, relieving the pressure from my arm. My arm was dead and completely numb. I looked around the room. My eyes darted from side to side, expecting to see someone or something in there. The thing that was on my back. Even though the room was dark, I could still see well enough to tell that there was nothing. I took a moment to let myself drop from the heightened state, and the pins and needles began to set in. When I walked out to the living room, my wife took one look at me and could tell instantly there was something wrong. I'm a grown man, but I'm not going to lie that I got choked up before I could even begin to explain what happened. After telling her the story, she began to tell me about sleep paralysis. Apparently a well-documented phenomenon, but I was not familiar with it. It does sound like that might have been what happened to me, but I can show you there is a strong difference between how it is explained and what it feels like. It's never happened to me before or since, and I've slept in far more stressful situations, so I don't know if I really buy that it's my brain coping. All I can say is that I'm glad I don't live there anymore. I had this dreadful feeling there was something there. Holy cow, that is amazing. Mm -hmm. So by the way, I'm I just listened to it for the first time, just kind of like you guys did as well. And oh my god, that poor guy. Right? Oh, that sounds terrifying. So since since our friend Joe like read it, I'm I'm picturing him instead of I I don't know like Stephen G I I don't have a personal relationship with him I don't know what he looks like but sure yeah it's it's but a we can put someone thing. yeah in there oh my gosh 
I do like the fact that even when he was informed about sleep paralysis, it seems like he still isn't convinced that's what it was, which I totally understand because that's what a lot of people say. Um, we did an episode about that. That's when Lisa had a fill in for you when yep. you were, yep. <laughs> when you were far away. Um, and so it's still, you know, it's such a powerful, horrible experience. And you know what? I'm not convinced it's always sleep paralysis either. So here we are. Well, the reason I was really excited about this story is it did kind of relate to me a little bit. Mm hmm. Uh, so I, too, have had one single bout of sleep paralysis, and it was terrifying. I couldn't move, and something really did feel off while I was lying there. Like, everything around me just didn't feel normal. It felt absolutely bizarre. And I do have this feeling that maybe it has to do with your, like, body waking up wrong. Like, mm -hmm. you're glitching, for instance. <laughs> like, part of your brain is waking up faster than another part that normally does. So there's, like, this delay. There's this lag. I, I and get I know that. I'm using weird yeah. technology-based uh, terms, but it kind of felt like I needed to turn myself off and on again. Like, I needed to reset it before everything went in. But because that's never happened to me before, it was absolutely unlike any other experience I've had. It was weird, but it felt like something maybe was wrong with me. But it could also have been something else that I was having an experience with. Yeah. And I don't like thinking about it. I don't blame you. I would be very terrified. I have had the uh, situation, not like quite sleep paralysis, but where my mind did wake up and then I can feel my body feeling slightly numb. Mm -hmm. But I've mm -hmm. always been able to shake that within a second. So like I can feel like, as you described, the lag. It's mm -hmm. like my brain is doing something and my body was like, wait, I didn't know we had buffered yet. Exactly. So, <laughs> Well, you, you know how like sometimes when you have a really bad nightmare and it can kind of affect your whole day. Yeah. And But as the day goes on, you start feeling a little bit better. And then maybe a day or two later, you might not even remember that you had had that bad dream. You might remember it when you think about it, but it's like it never happened. Mm -hmm. and, and you can just go beyond it. That's how it was with me in this process. It took a couple days before I stopped feeling absolutely upset about it. Sure. And now I can think about it. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's something that happened. So, and it felt very so much like you, getting over a nightmare. Did you also see, did you see a shadowy figure? No, I didn't see anything. You didn't see anything? Okay. I didn't know if it was similar to, I mean, a lot of people either see something, but they always certainly feel a pressure. Yeah, I when couldn't it's move like and I did an feel extreme, pressure too. Yeah. But I, my pressure felt more like something was wrong with my muscles. And I think oh. it was just, it's just that they weren't waking up on time. Oh, okay. So, but I don't know. But anyway, when I read the story, I was like, <laughs> wow, he put into words something pretty close to what happened to me, but his felt more terrifying. What an amazing story, though. That mm -hmm. I think that was absolutely the perfect one to reenact or like dramatize. And I think the other interesting thing is, when it happened to me, you weren't in the bed either. I was alone that time too. Like, what was I? Oh, probably at the computer or something. I have no idea. I don't remember. <laughs> but I awake do, at night. That's what I'm doing. I do think it was funny that just like uh, Steven's story, he was also alone when it happened, Aww. and I was like, huh. It just makes me wonder because there's a whole psychology thing, but then there's also the paranormal thing and all that stuff. Maybe it's some of both. Maybe it's just one, but it feels like the other. I have no idea. Right. But anyway, so I thought that was pretty good. Cool. Well, thank you, Stephen, for submitting that to Absolutely. us. Absolutely. And sorry it took so long for us to get around to it, but we hadn't had a listener story in a while. So. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I think it's my turn, right? Absolutely. So this one was submitted by Penny, who we actually had the opportunity to interview her. So, so Names we were changed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> names were changed in the story. I had something strange happen to me and a friend one night. It was senior year of high school. This would have been back in 1995. And I was staying with my best friend, Lexi, at her house while her mom was out of town for a couple of days. This meant that we had access to her mom's car, 
which looking back now, it's weird that we wanted to drive her mom's car because we all had our own cars, (laughs) myself included. You know, just a little bit of variety. Spice it up. Spice it up, man. Anyway, on occasion, this car would vapor lock. So you'd be driving around and all of a sudden it would start to sputter and then completely stop. It had a very distinct way of stalling. It would essentially start to rev, then stop, rev again, stop, and then stall. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely would not want to drive that car. <laughs> I know, but like, don't they still drive, wanted to. Don't drive mom's car. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, you might be stranded. Normally, when this would happen, we would just pull over and let it cool down for a couple of minutes until it was ready to go. I need to preface with this information because it becomes important later. So back to that night. Lexi and I were going to pick up our two friends, Kate and Jacob, who were dating, and then we'd all drive down to the pool hall to play some pool. Kate decided that she would drive to Jacob's house, that way we could pick him up together. Again, important to the story. So we finally picked them up at around 8.30 or 9 p.m. and go on to have a normal fun night. We knew we had to be back at Jacob's house by 11.45 p.m. because Kate had to be home by midnight. Her parents were super strict about curfew. So not wanting to get Kate in trouble, we drove back to Jacob's house with just enough time to get Kate to drive home in time. Nathan lived on the edge of the city and his neighborhood was literally the last few houses before there was nothing but desert. To get to his house, you had to take a very specific back road that led you uphill, then lead you into the entrance of that neighborhood. Well, we drop off Kate and Jacob and as we drive away, we see them saying goodbye to each other in the rearview mirror. Lexi and I are now driving back home and we're going back over that one hill. This is where the car just completely stopped. It didn't vapor lock. At least we didn't think it did because it didn't behave normally. We also noticed there was something wrong with the brake pedal. It was like there was no resistance as I pushed down. The radio also sputtered out and there was no electricity in the car. Although the car was completely dead, we were still coasting down the hill. We would try turning the key, but it wouldn't even click. It was like the ignition was mushy. Fortunately, the emergency brakes still worked, and I pulled it up, and we managed to come to a complete stop by the time we reached the bottom of the hill. We were still in the right lane that led to the main road, so we were essentially blocking the exit. Lexi and I were just sitting there for a while wondering what happened, and then eventually decided to get out of the car to check if the car had actually vapor locked. We popped open the hood and looked down for about 10 seconds before bursting out laughing because we had no idea what we were doing. (laughs) Don't we all like to do a little (laughs) peek in there? It's like, like, oh, I'm sure. You're expecting to see something like super obvious, like someone threw an entire pizza in there and you just have to remove it. (laughs) But for some reason, you just look at it and you're like, yep, yep, it still looks like a foreign machine to me. Yeah, so it looks like what I think an engine should look like. (laughs) At that moment, we also started getting a weird feeling like we were nauseous but didn't feel completely like nausea. Like our mouth started to water as if we were going to throw up, but we didn't have the urge to vomit. I knew Lexi was feeling the same thing because she was spitting on the ground. Then Lexi's hair started bushing up. She had really long curly red hair at the time, and it just started to bush up like there was an electrical storm. I'd been in an electrical storm before, but there was no lightning or clouds around us. Yet, there was definitely an electrical charge in the air. Some sort of energy. Mm Mm-hmm. I had the sickest goosebumps I had ever experienced in my life. Like, all of the hair on my body was standing on end. What happened next is even stranger, because Lexi and I remember this part of the night differently. The only thing that we did agree on was that we both saw a large boxy car drive by, like a Lincoln Town car. Mm. 
with what looked like tracers trailing behind. I just remember thinking, why am I seeing this? And and looking over to Lexi and seeing the same confused look on her face. Here's where we disagree on what we saw. I remember seeing the car on the right lane of the road, but it was driving in reverse really fast. However, Lexi remembers seeing the car driving on the left side of the road going forward. Either way, none of it made sense, and we decided to get back in the car and wait for Kate to drive down the road. So it's going the same direction, but it's just which side of the road it was and whether or not it was doing it in reverse or if it was driving on the wrong side of the road forward. Right, but it's still mm. going, like, it, let's say it's still, still going left, way, yeah. but it's just either left lane, right lane, reverse. It's super weird. The fact that they both saw it differently, but the same, it's almost? still kind of the same makes it feel like there was something really weird going on. But see, like the fact that their heads were kind of nauseated or feeling uh-huh. weird, maybe they were also like delirious. Or... Delirious. So maybe they weren't seeing what it actually was as perfectly. Or it's like a fake memory that was implanted. I'm Ew. just saying. Anyway, okay, keep going. Keep going with the story. Keep going with the story. It's getting creepier now. Okay, back to the story. Um, let me go back one. Either way, none of it made sense, and we decided to get back in the car and wait for Kate to drive down the road. Mm. We knew she had to come home very soon and knew she would have to pass by us in order to get back to the main road. Totally. After a while, maybe five minutes or so, we're still sitting there and Kate never showed up. At the time, we also started to feel normal again, like the weird feeling went away and we weren't watering at the mouth. Then, all of a sudden, our car comes back on. The radio comes back on and the car begins to rev because it's still in third gear. We then notice that the clock says it's 2 a.m., which was weird because usually when the electricity goes out, the clock comes back blinking at the default 12 o'clock. Exactly. Even though we thought it was strange, we blew it off thinking that her mom's car was just jacked. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it already has other issues. That's I mean, a reasonable thing. Might as well. And we decided to head home. We get back to Lexi's house and start talking about how weird the whole experience was. We sit on the couch and turn on the TV to check the time. And on the TV Guide channel, it said it was 9.17 p.m. We thought... Well, that's weird. So we decided to call time and temp, which Mm. back in the day, there was a phone number you'd call to get the exact time and temperature. Well, we called it and it said it was 9.17 p.m. Now, to give a quick recap of the night, this would have been after we left the house to pick up Jacob and Kate, but way before we got back home from dropping them off at 11.45 p.m. For the rest of the night, Lexi and I were freaking out. We basically watched the TV Guide channel all night long, hoping that the time would correct itself. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, the problem's not us. It must be someone else. It's not else. us. But it never did, and we eventually fell asleep on the couch. The next morning, we saw Kate in class and asked her if she saw us stranded at the bottom of the hill. Kate had no idea what we were talking about, so then asked if her parents got mad for her for being late. She then said, I was right behind you guys. I couldn't see your car, but I left only about a minute or two afterwards. Lexi and I started freaking out again, thinking we were abducted or something. (laughs) I didn't know what happened, but somehow we made it back home hours earlier than we should have. So time dilation (laughs) stories really mess me up because I've never had a legit time dilation story. I've had the dumb ones where there was like a daylight saving shift and I didn't know it and Mm -hmm. I got really confused. And it feels very uncomfortable. You feel a little bit. and And mine's on like fake just me not paying attention stuff, a real time dilation like this where they lost because they, they were supposed to be dropping her off at what? 1145. And they were supposed to be picking her up like at nine something. So they picked up their friends at nine at yeah. the latest. So this 
would have been only 17 minutes after. So what the heck? Well, and that means that they potentially lost almost three hours of time. Right. Like that's a massive amount of time to be losing. Yep. I mean, if you could control that and you, like, cause they were in school. Can you just imagine like, Oh, we're going to hang with our friends and get a magical three hours out of it. Who wouldn't want that? But it does sound really <laughs> creepy. That's how daylight savings works. Um, but not in this story. This is just a totally different, horrifying situation. Well, and saying things like the radio going out totally tracks with a lot of the stories you hear about this stuff happening as well. Yeah. The new stuff to me was like that feeling like you have to throw up where you feel that like swelling in the bottom of your jaw. Yeah. And you just start salivating a lot. So, yeah. And the way she described it saying it was like a physical reaction because mm-hmm. she didn't, she couldn't, she didn't feel like throwing up, which is weird because. You can't really have one without the other, but she said she did. I've had moments where I get that thing where I'm producing the saliva, but I don't throw, but I do feel nauseous. Yeah, exactly. But that's, it's a really, it's a weird one. And I think it's amazing. We haven't really done anything with time dilation, I don't think. We have not We've done talked a story. about time dilation a few times, but never directly. Never like specific story. Yep, yep. Maybe occurred in, in a story, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those of you who know Albuquerque, this took place on a road right next to the petroglyphs that is still goes along the petroglyphs. So like one whole side of it is completely open to this uh, protected Vast. land that we've got. And now it's not as big as it was back in the day because no. now there's houses built of, around yeah. the petroglyphs, which is like a, a national park thing that I we think have. It might be a state park. I don't a know if state park. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess state park. I don't know. Either way you can't build on it. Yeah. So we obviously didn't do the specific location because people live right around there and everything like that. Yeah, but. and I'm guessing a lot of these people moved since from where they used to live. But either way, um, don't want to triangulate anyone's <laughs> living location. So here we are. Yeah, so we had the opportunity to interview Penny over Zoom. And that's a new way to do it. So I think we might be doing that for some future listener stories for people who don't live in the state. But it was really awesome hearing her tell the story because she her memory is really good. Man, it's amazing. And she was able to remember... All these things. And it was kind of fun to hear her tell that story because, you know, you and me, we we were growing, we grew up in the 90s as well. and <laughs> We were alive back then. <laughs> yeah. And, and it did kind of remind me when she's telling the story how much more scary this stuff would have been before you had, you know, internet in your pocket where you could just yeah. ask questions. Who or, are you going to call? Nobody. There's nothing. Yeah. Back then, it's kind of like something weird happens and who are you going to tell? You could tell a couple people, but it's still... A very isolated thing. And it made me realize we actually live in a considerably less terrifying time when it comes to like paranormal stuff than even just 20 years ago. Yeah, you can just be like, look, there's a ghost or I'm about to be abducted. Can you just stay on the line with me? I remember reading one theory someone had that if you're scared of ghosts, your best weapon is having a camera in your pocket because (laughs) no one's ever taken a good picture of a ghost. So if you're worried, pull out your camera and nothing will come for you. Yeah, you're fine. Exactly. Can't get him. He's got a camera. (laughs) So that was an amazing story. And when she told it to us, I felt it felt very genuine. So very eerie. I, I believe that I believe this happened. I a hundred percent know something happened. And again, she doesn't know either. She admitted, she's like, I don't know if I necessarily believe and one, one or the other, because I can't make sense of it, but she, it happened. Whatever happened, happened. Yeah. So when you're out there, if you have a time dilation thing, write it down. Let's see if we can start tracking this. It'll be good. <laughs> yeah. I'll do the same. All right. So right now we're going to take a quick break. We got some more stories after the break and we'll see you in a few. Okay. So we're back and I still have my water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, yeah. We didn't even mention the no, beginning. We yeah. I'm in the middle of drinking a hop tea, a citra hop tea from Hop Lark out of Colorado. Delish. It is my favorite non-alcoholic drink 
when I feel like drinking a beer because it's got the hoppiness of an IPA, Mm -hmm. but I can stay sober and responsible during the day. And that's one, it does have caffeine, right? You said? Yeah, this one is like one of their lower caffeine ones. It's only 30 milligrams of caffeine. Oh, okay. But they have some that go way higher if you're totally down with drinking lots of caffeine. But this one, I didn't get this one because of the caffeine. I got this one because the Citra is actually my favorite one they Mm. make. I just think it's awesome. Nice. So you guys should keep a lookout for it. We want to make sure businesses like this can stay around because they don't really have competition. And so if they disappear, (laughs) they're gone. Anyway... So our next story was submitted by Andrew, our friend who, along with Tim, run the Dead Letter Movies podcast. It's a great podcast for cinephiles and movie buffs who like diving deep into obscure and popular movies throughout film history. Lily and I were actually on a recent episode where we talked about Binary Report and Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. You should absolutely check them out. Their website is www.deadlettermovies.com. You can see all their episodes on there. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, we we go way back with Andrew. And so when we asked him to see if he had any stories, he did a recording himself and sent it to us. So we're going to show them to you. And it's actually two little stories. Yay. So hope you enjoy. All right, werewolves. I got a couple of stories for you. First one, my wife and I are driving out from Taos, New Mexico on the way to visit my family. And we're just outside of town in the open desert part of it. And nothing too exciting going on. Um, I'm driving along and I see this like you know, metallic speck in the sky, just like a, just like a silver dot just up there. And I kind of like acknowledge it and see it and like, oh, okay, so that's, there's probably an airplane or whatever. And then I look away for just a moment, like not even, probably not even two seconds, um, just driving along. And then just some like in peripheral, I realize it's not there. So look back to where I saw it and it's not there anymore. So don't know what happened there. Totally possible it was just something reflecting, or my eyes were being weird, or my imagination got the better of me. But I like to think it was a UFO. That's my perhaps encounter, encounter, encounter. Or maybe not. And then the other time, my wife and I went to stay at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, which is where Stephen King got the inspiration for The Shining. Neat place, totally worth checking out. Uh, we paid extra for, like, I don't know what to call it, the Haunting Deluxe Package? I, I don't remember what they called it. Anyway, they gave us this, like, EMF reader, which I still don't understand how ghosts give off electromagnetic fields. It feels like that was just an arbitrary decision by somebody, but they (laughs) gave us them anyway. So, you know, we're playing around with it, walking around with a little meter, trying to see if we see anything or see the meter change at all. We didn't see anything happen. And then later that night, um, it starts going off, and we're like, ah, but then we realized we were using our Sonicare electric toothbrushes, and that's what set it off. kind of lame yeah that's what i got keep podcasting you too look forward to every episode and uh yeah stay spooky bye all right that was amazing oh my god that was the best so let's do (laughs) one story at a time let's do the first one where he saw his encounter I think, you know, the first reaction, because I, I told on a previous episode when I saw a giant silver thing in the sky, yeah. and everyone there, because we were at a brew fest, was just looking at it, and it looked weird, and it was big, and it was super shiny, and it wasn't moving. My first was reaction weird. was, it was probably something totally normal, but, you know, when you're a little bit drunk, you're like, oh, it's going to be scary. But in his, I think the thing that makes it intriguing is that he saw it, and then all of a sudden he didn't see it anymore. Right. Weather balloons, which in your case was an actual weather balloon. Yeah, in mine it was. We found but out it was a in his, they don't move fast. Mm-hmm. At least they shouldn't. And so if if it, like, died, maybe it was, like, falling or something, but I highly doubt it. Yeah, that's pretty uh, intense. Like, I think that was something. 
It was definitely something. It's not like he didn't yeah, he see saw anything. something. So, I so don't know. maybe maybe there's a totally rational explanation, but I am surprised that as time goes on, when people learn we do this podcast, the number of people who have seen something they can't identify, so literally an unidentified flying object, is through the roof. I'd actually go as far as say more people have seen something they didn't know what it was than haven't seen it. Yeah, and the crazy part is it'll be sometimes like when they're we're younger or like you know probably before. Uh, drones are really a big thing in the mm-hmm. air or anything like that and so and it was something that like didn't really occur to maybe a lot of our friends to share which kind of makes sense until we started this podcast and i'm like i've known you for like eight years you're just telling me this right <laughs> i'm like this is a big deal but and you do kind of realize people don't you know open it's up true like, when you meet someone who's like oh hi my name's gerald and he's like let me tell you about all the ufos I've seen. okay you're like i I'm don't not- want to hang out with gerald anymore <laughs> I'm not saying day one, but eight <laughs> years. Come on. So I am. That's just an example. But yeah, like I, I just find it so fun when people are just like, yeah, you want to hear my story? Well, all you had to do was ask. So I guess I just need to ask more people. We really I- <laughs> need to ask more people. Uh, I have a I have a good friend I used to work with who had a story that I really wanted in this episode. It won't make it until the next one because we just had a hard time scheduling to meet up with him. But it happened because I asked him if he had any stories, yeah. and he did, and I was like, He's man, like, oh, I yeah. need to ask more people. So the next story that he did was when they stayed at the hotel in Estes Park, yes. and did he mention it was where The Shining was based or where he got the inspiration? I think or he they said inspiration. Because I remember hearing, I believe that the hotel used in The Shining, if I'm not saying, didn't part of it burn down in the last year? Oh, wow, I have no idea. I, that could be wrong. Don't take my word for it. Like I'm sure there's something there, but... Haunted hotel tourism, big thing for us. So yeah. I love I love all that. And I do love that they got the haunted deluxe Because <laughs> <laughs> you know we would do that too. Um, 100%, <laughs> like without question. So I am actually 100% in agreement with him about the whole EMF thing. Like I don't know why people have decided that ghosts do this. I should probably look into it, but I always thought it was weird. And So we- I think oh, why they do it, I have no idea. But it's just something that seems to occur. Like let's say... I'm a ghost hunter and I start asking a question and the EMF reader starts to go high and then I get a response. That's when you know it's like there was a ghost nearby. It's just like an extra thing to to verify, not necessarily a defining factor. Sounds like a theory. It sounds- but, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, I remember when we did a haunted tour and we were in the basement jail cell at the old Albuquerque courthouse. They gave us EMF readers, too. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really have anything super crazy happen. Some people kind of did. But I kind of looked at it, and I, it's kind of a weird-looking device. I want to know more about them because you never know how they're specifically designed or anything. But I do think it's funny that their toothbrushes set it off. And I was like, see, yeah. if their toothbrushes set it off, you should consider that they're in this modern technological era where everyone has cell phones and all this other stuff going on. It's very reasonable to think that little interferences can happen that have nothing and to do with And people do paranormal. like comment that, especially like in certain uh, ghost hunting shows, depending on who the investigators are, they tend to acknowledge a lot more. They're like, there's probably wires behind this wall, so we shouldn't put a lot of precedence into it sure. and assume there's like a giant ghost here. But yeah, so anyway, like I think when they gave us all those EMF readers when we went on that tour, it was kind of silly because there were like 20 people and we all had like these little blinking lights in our hands. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, where do I point it? Like, La la la, just in the air. But I don't know. I guess I, I wouldn't be a very good paranormal investigator, but it seems like other people got really into it. This wasn't even part of my original plan, but I feel super compelled to tell a personal story now. <gasps> what? So after his first story about like the, you know, seeing the shiny thing and it went away, 
I had one story that I don't know what it was, and it was probably something totally normal, but it was way back before you and me were married, and you were still living at your parents' house on the other side of town. Mm-hmm. And I was driving back to, just driving back to the university area, and when I was on the highway, you can see all of Albuquerque's downtown. It's pretty close to one of our highways, the I-25 highway. It's, it's, it's pretty close to it. Our biggest building in downtown has kind of a pyramid top, and it's... Not uncommon in the winter to see a lot of steam or mm-hmm. uh, coming out of the top of it because of heat and whatnot. That's normal. But this time when I was driving, I was looking and right above it, you know, hard to gauge the distance because I was still miles away. But I would say hundreds of feet above it, there were a lot of like blinking flashing lights. Okay. And But they were blinking very rapidly, kind of like you would assume from certain fireworks, but it didn't look like fireworks, but the flashing was more like fireworks instead of I see. like a plane light or something like that. And I just kept seeing them, and they were going the entire time I was driving on the highway until I was getting super close, and then it just stopped. And I remember going home huh. and going online. This would have probably been like 2009 maybe, and I went online to try to find out what's going on. Is there something happening at that building? Are they fireworks that just looked weird or something else? And I couldn't find any mention anywhere on the news. And it, the reason I mentioned the the date is even though it was still well into the internet era, it was still not super easy to find weird, it wouldn't have been. small information like yeah. that. So I never knew what it was, but I always wondered, even to this day, I wonder what was happening above that building. That's, anyway, that's kind of cool. It's a random little story. So was it like far above it, like super far in the sky, or was it just above the peak of the pyramid thing? I mean, I would say, you know, it was at least like 100 feet. So it was above it, but it wasn't like super high in the sky. It wasn't like a plane high. Okay. That's what I was going to ask, just because, yeah, it would be pretty dangerous if there was a flying anything, like a plane or something that close to the building. That would be really weird. Yeah. So the way I'm about to describe it's really weird. If you just imagine at that distance, the building looks like it's only three inches tall with how far you are away. Mm -hmm. The lights would have been maybe an inch above it. I see what you're saying. (laughs) Just to give a range. (laughs) I know that's the dumbest way to describe something, but it's all I got right now. But anyway, so once again, thanks, Andrew, for the story. Hope you guys liked it. Thank you. All right, and the last story we have is actually an old family story from my family that's actually happened to my great-grandfather. My dad told me this story when I was a kid, as his father told him and his father before him. I remember exactly when my dad told me this story, too. I remember where I was. I was a kid when he told me this story, and it freaked me out. I am fortunate in that my father was diligent about writing down and documenting information and stories during his life. So I'm going to be presenting to you the verbatim way in which my father recorded this story. For context, this story takes place in the late 1910s, and it happened to my great-grandfather, Gail Wesley Palmer, who was born in 1894. So this was was a while ago. Oh, yeah. Although my father was a pragmatist and a realist and believed implicitly that everything had a logical and rational explanation, I can recall incidents that show he was as human as the rest of us mortals. The first event took place when I was quite small, and my only recollection is hearing my parents talk about it. My father used to enjoy telling about this happening as a mystery. As I recall, it took place in Battle Creek, Michigan, during a time he was on active duty in the Army as an ROTC officer. I would like to relate it in the first person as if my father were telling it. I had been fortunate in getting a day pass so I could spend a few hours with my wife and children, 
but I must be back by midnight when my pass expires. It was only a two or three mile walk back to Camp Custer, and it was beautiful, clear, moonlit night, so I didn't have to leave until about 10 o'clock in the evening. After leaving the house and walking about a half mile, I marveled at the beautiful clear sky with stars unobscured by clouds and only dimming in the area of the nearly full moon. There were few, if any, ground lights to interfere with the magnificent sky. The only limitation to my eyes came from the trees bordering the road. The road to camp went through heavily wooded terrain, and the last mile or so was a shortcut path through the woods themselves. I was still thinking what a beautiful night it was as the road led up a rather abrupt hill whereon was situated a small astronomical observatory. As I approached the top of the hill, I could see the observatory building on the highest point shining in the moonlight like some great battleship with a huge turret. The ground was cleared of trees and bushes around the building and all the way to the road. There was a wire fence around the grounds and along the road right of way. I had passed the observatory several times during the day, but seeing it only by star and moonlight gave it an ethereal appearance. I noted that there appeared to be no activity in or around the building and surmised that it was because bright moonlight nights are poor times for looking at stars and planets. Even most moon studies are made during the first or last quarter phases for better viewing. While I was musing on these probabilities, I was startled to become aware of what appeared to be a man standing in the middle of the field. Why hadn't I seen him before? If he had come from the building or from the other side of the field, he would have been clearly visible in the moonlight walking up to where I now see him. On the other hand, if he had been lying on the ground in a depression and just got up, that would account for my not noticing him at first. That must be it. (laughs) This was a hobo and was bedding down in the field until he heard me coming. I realized I had been whistling as I walked along and he must have heard me coming As except for the sounds I was making, everything was as still as only a country summer night could be. I suppose that when he sees I am going right by, he will settle back into his grassy bed and go back to sleep. That must be the explanation. But no other observation disturbs me. This hobo looks the shape of a man, but even in this bright moonlight, I cannot distinguish a head. It looks as if his shoulders go right across from side to side without any bump for a head. Are my eyes playing tricks on me, or is someone else playing tricks? Now a new element enters the picture. The man, or apparition, has started to move in my direction. Oh, no. But I don't see leg motion like a man walking. The entire thing seems to glide along without any noise or bobbing motion. (laughs) Okay. I'm not fearful, but I quicken my already military pace and reason logically. When he or it comes to the fence he or it will either have to stop or climb the fence. This will give me a good opportunity to get a different and better evaluation. Perhaps he is walking with head forward so that he only appears headless in the subdued moonlight. So I continue with my quickened pace and keep an eye on it over my shoulder. Soon I will be at the end of the fenced area and the road goes down the hill steeply for a few hundred yards where the path through the woods takes off. As I glance back, I see him or it reach the fence. Here is the moment of truth. Will it stop or will it climb? What's that? It neither stopped or climbed, but seemed to flow right through the fence. Oh, no. (laughs) Was there an opening in the fence that I missed seeing as I walked briskly past? That must be it. But this is not the time to stop and find out. I can check out the next time I pass by this way during the day. 
I started down the hill and quickened my pace another notch. As I proceeded down the hill, I lost sight of this man or thing or apparition, but I looked frequently back up the hill to be sure. Just as I reached the foot of the hill and spotted a path that wound through the woods back to camp, I looked back. There in the middle of the road, at the brow of the hill, it stood as though looking down at me. The rest of the way through the woods did not take long, and I arrived at the camp breathless, but well ahead of the midnight deadline. (laughs) For the next few days, I was very busy with my military duties, but during occasional moments, I found myself wondering what was the meaning of my strange experience. I knew it was not imagination, as I had spent many evenings and nights outside alone and felt very comfortable in these situations. On the other hand, I was unable to explain the sudden appearance of the man-like object, the apparent headlessness, the gliding along rather than bobbing walk of the man, and the apparent passing through the fence. There must be a logical explanation to these mysteries. I must make a diligent effort to find these answers. The next time I got a day pass, I went to see my family, but I did stop at the observatory to make a daylight investigation of the physical facts, and these are the things I learned. One, the observatory had indeed been unattended on the night in question for the reasons I had correctly deduced. Two, the field in front of the observatory was extremely flat with no depressions deep enough to conceal a man lying down and no flattened grass to indicate that someone had slept there. Mm. And three, The fence had no gates on this side and no breaks or openings that a man could pass without climbing. So where did this leave me? It left me with all my logical explanations without support. It left me with only two possibilities, both of which I reject. The one that I had suffered from the hallucinations of an overexcited imagination, I rejected on the basis that it was contrary to my past experience and that throughout the whole event, I was striving to find logic and dispel the mystery. Mm Mm-hmm. The other argument that I had had a supernatural experience, I also reject because that is contrary to my nature, education, and training. This leaves me with an unsolved mystery, and it has so continued to this date. Perhaps you can find answers where I only found baffling questions. I hope so. Holy moly. That was the story. That was amazing. My dad has a way with words. He really does. He was was an amazing writer. Holy cow. Okay, so, yeah. I I have it has to be a ghost, obviously. In um, your in your despite opinion, despite his rejection of logic with logic and everything, which is funny because he probably hate the show. But at the same time, yeah, I you never know. There could be a, a logical explanation in some form. It could have mm-hmm. been like a weird, I don't want to say reflection, but like a shadow of some sort, like beaming down or something like that. Not that I know anything about that, but yeah, super terrifying. Either way, it's chasing him, so yeah. it's like knowledgeable that he's there which is also super scary yeah the headless shape that was just gliding is forever haunted me since i was a kid when i heard this story (laughs) it doesn't help that when i heard this story i was around the same age that i first saw sleepy hollow and i don't mean the johnny depp movie i mean the disney cartoon oh right and so a part of my brain was connecting these two things, even though they really don't have anything to do with each other. I think, like, the headlessness, obviously. The headless horseman. But kind there was of the scene in which Ichabod Crane is running from the headless horseman and he's trying to get to the bridge across uh-huh. the river and he's racing to get there and he gets there first and the, the headless horseman stays on the stop. other side. There's some relatedness there that I, I kind of always put together. I don't know what, what he saw. I definitely. No, my dad knows the story, and I think my dad would 100% mirror uh, his dad and his great-grandfather's opinion that there has to be logical explanation. They just don't know what it is. Right. I know that's how they are. Me, 
I I am I'm like that in that I assume ninety nine percent of the time there would be, <laughs> but I am very open to the idea of the small percentage that something was weird happen. I wish I could have known my great grandfather so I could have yeah. asked him some questions. But assuming he would have wanted to talk about it, I don't know. Sometimes when people like reject certain situations, like they're like it's not a ghost. But you start asking them like that's what they saw. It starts to put doubt in their heads. And it's not something that like a lot of people would like to talk about. Like they're like, no, it was nothing. Like stop talking about it. Oh, I do. I do think that's how most people are. But the Palmer family that I know, we're not like that at <laughs> okay. all. We will talk about it. And and uh, I think the fact that he's looking for an answer meant he would have been even more excited to talk about it to hear what other people had to that's say. That's true. That is how your family is. It's like, I'm still not going to say it's a ghost, but it's nice to talk about. So that's the Palmer ghost story, the one and only one my family has. <laughs> and I love it. I think it's great. Oh, my God. My family has so much. I should probably ask them next time. This would be a fun thing to, like, recreate as, like, a little short film or something. Like, yeah. a short, like, five-minute thing. That would but. be really fun. Holy cow. Well done, everyone. I'm really happy that everyone who submitted a story and was willing to share it, thank you so much. It's it's made me so incredibly happy that we're doing this show. It just kind of brought back like this, I don't know, I can't explain it, like the surge of excitement to keep going. It, it made me feel more connected to you guys. And before I get emotional, I'm going to let Chase bring us out. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to give out a big thank you to everyone. This was super awesome. I really hope you guys liked our weird format where we played some audio clips from other people. If you liked it, let us know. If you hated it, also let us know. <laughs> And if you have your own listener story that you want in our next episode, please drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com. There were a few we had for this year that we're going to wait for the next episode. Mm -hmm. And for that, I apologize. Trust me, all the stories we get, we want to use, we'll get around to it. And to our longtime listeners, thank you for listening to us for two years of excitement. And we hope to make next season even better. And to any new listeners, we hope you enjoyed it and make sure to catch our next episode or deep dive into any of our 80 plus episodes that we've already made. And for those of you listening to us at work or while driving, I hope you have a safe and good day. And for those of you that are drinking, we hope your tomorrow isn't too rough. And if you are listening to us because you had too much fun last night and you are suffering today, don't worry because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. See ya.